of God. But today, as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, we're also going to be reading a letter written to um, Christian exiles. And so if you can turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verses just 3 to 5 in your Bibles. We have Bibles over to my left, your right, or if you just pull out your phone, you can read our passage here. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. I'm reading from the ESV. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Let me just pray for our word this morning. Um, Father, we come before you this morning, uh, thankful to be gathered on Easter Sunday uh, this morning, God. Uh, God, we just ask that you would be with us as we share what this living hope is and why we can have hope as people who follow the risen Lord. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would open up our hearts. Holy Spirit, um, allow our hearts to be good soil. Um, and whatever words that I have to say that are from me, may those be really just forgotten. But the words that you want to plant, to root, and to grow and bear good fruit, may those words be remembered and acted upon as we go throughout our weeks, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our families and neighborhoods, God. Give us now this time um, in your power and your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Mike's working. Thank you, Tim. Um, church, let me start off with a question. Uh, how many of you in this room were born and raised in Chicago? Just raise your hand. We got two, three. Man, that's, press, that's, that's not a lot. Four, all right. Uh, uh, I'll confess, I'm not either. So um, I was born in the suburbs of St. Louis and um, came here for college and has stayed here ever since. Uh, you know, though Chicago has a lot of people that are born and raised in the city, um, Chicago also has a lot of people who are not. They come here for work, for school, or other reasons, and they stay. And I don't know if it's just me, but you know, the, I feel like the most common answer I hear is not, I'm from Chicago, but I hear is, I'm from Michigan. I don't know if it's just you, but I feel like, you know, <laughs> quick, quick raise of hands. How many of you are from Michigan? Right? No? Not just a few? Okay, maybe not a lot. Okay, all right. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. Uh, but Michigan, I feel like, is pretty popular. Um, but as a result, many of us, most of us, are not from here. So Chicago is not home. Um, it might feel like home now, but it's not where we're from. Home is somewhere else. You know, so when, we, um, when life gets hard or we enter into a new stage of life, um, like marriage or graduation, or when travel restrictions are up and during like this COVID, this COVID season, the, the longing for home or to be home only grows stronger. You know, we want to spend the holidays with our extended families, or we want to celebrate the graduations and births, or we want to mourn the hardships and deaths of loved ones. We want to experience the rest and the home-cooked meals and just somewhere to be um, resting and have familiarity and warmth. Now, this longing for home is probably best communicated through our music. 
Now, they can be songs like the popular Christmas song titled, I'll Be Home for Christmas, which was written from the point of view of a soldier writing back to his family, asking them to prepare the holiday when he returns home. Or it could be another popular song by Michael Buble titled, Home, where it's all about wanting to go home so he could be with the love of his life. Songs about longing for home even span the musical genres from Dua Lipa, uh, I think it's Dua Lipa, to Blake Shelton, and to Simon and Garfunkel. All of them have written about songs of going back home or wanting to be home. And I imagine that many of us, not maybe even all of us, during especially this season of these you know, two to three years of COVID and all that's brought to us, we've all have felt this longing to be home. Because no matter how good our home is right now, there is always something missing. There isn't this feeling of true comfort or peace. There isn't this fullness of joy and abundance. There isn't this presence of all those we love. Rather, in our lives, there is absence, there's loneliness, there is chaos, there's difficulty, uncertainty, and just tiredness. There is always something in our lives that doesn't make home just feel like home. You know, in our text, the Apostle Peter is writing to a group, group of Christians, the Christians in the diaspora who are scattered throughout um, most of the Middle East. And he's writing to them as Christ followers who are exiled from their homes, yet long to be home. But not just back to their physical homes, but as Christians, there was this deep desire to be a home that was not on this earth. They desired a home that was not affected with the same mess and pain and brokenness that still affects every single home in our world today. They wanted a perfect home. So Peter begins his letter with one simple yet profound encouragement that is threaded actually through the entire letter, which is our main message today. And it's this message to rejoice, for we have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We rejoice, for we have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, if you go to our text here, notice verse 3. Um, if, you're, if you have the ESV, it says blessed, but in the regular uh, NIV or other translations, it can say praise be to God. And notice that Peter does not start off with the persecutions or the hardships or the financial struggles or the loneliness that these people are experiencing. But he first writes, blessed be the God of our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because God has caused us, in verse 3, to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now that sentence, that verse alone is perfect for Easter, for Resurrection Sunday, because the story of Easter church is that Jesus Christ left his perfect home to enter into our broken and sin-filled world, that he became God in the flesh, so that he could live among us, minister to us, and eventually die on the cross on that Friday for our sins and death and all the injustices in our world. Jesus Christ would bear our homesickness on the cross so that in him we could be born again, which means just having new life in him. 
But today, we remember and we also celebrate that Jesus did not stay dead, nor did he take his sweet time in that tomb. Three days here, just remember, three days was not because Jesus just took his time. It was because to show the Jews that Jesus was truly and actually dead. But as we know the story and we celebrate it every Easter and we tell about it on every Sunday morning or afternoon, that on that day, that glorious day, Jesus rose from the dead and he defeated every sin, every brokenness, everything on this earth, including death, so that for us who are broken, who are sin-ridden, who are doomed for eternal death, who are broken off from God, we can trust in him and begin to have and experience new life. Jesus' death and resurrection was so that we could be made new and have access to a future and glorious home with Jesus that each of our hearts long for. So as a result, and don't miss this, and it's so important that I have just kind of this summary on the screen. I don't want to get too theological here, but just this is what it means. Jesus' resurrection enables our salvation from sin and eternal death. Jesus' resurrection then empowers our transformation to turn from sin to be more like Christ. And Jesus' resurrection establishes our future destination for an eternal home where sin and brokenness and injustices are all absent. Instead, life and joy are overflowing. Now, I could either I could preach on that, but I'm not going to um, for today. But what I want to do is talk a little bit more about what this living hope is. Because Jesus's power over any sin and hardship in life, even death itself, is the reason we have hope here. The reason we have hope is because we know that Jesus wins. And hope, as Desmond Tutu, a South African theologian says, hope is simply being able to see there is light despite all the darkness around us. So to encourage the church that feels so far from home, Peter just says one word, rejoice, or blessed, or praise, because our hope is not in something temporary or empty or futile, but our hope is in someone that is living. Our hope is in the resurrected king who has a home for us that is not found on earth. And that is the message that we proclaim on Easter Sunday. And I could just say amen and pray right now, um, but I, I want to kind of give a little bit more reasons of what Paul, uh, Peter has to say here of what this living hope is and why we have reasons to rejoice. So let me go, them, go through them quickly one by one. And the first one, you'll see it on the screen, is that we rejoice in our living hope because of God's mercy. If you look in verse 3, it begins, according to, or in the middle part, according to his great mercy that he gave us new birth and a living hope. This living hope and new birth is only because of God's mercy to us. This word for mercy here, it's this Greek word, and it's strongly correlated to the Hebrew word of hesed, which can mean mercy, but also loving kindness. Theologian John Oswald, he says it really well. He says that hesed is a completely undeserved kindness and generosity. 
This gift of salvation, of transformation, of Jesus, of this future home is nothing short but the greatest gift that none of us earned or ever deserved. It's very much like this, and I, I know um, you might have heard this story before, or this illustration before, but I, I, I can't not look at um, this story that uh, is told by this famous uh, movie or playwright or musical called Les Mis or Les Miserables, which the main character, Jean Valjean, is denied shelter and night from prison. It's this famous scene where this kind bishop welcomes him in because of the hospitality. However, Valjean repays the hospitality by stealing valuable silverware in the church. But when the police catch him and they bring him to the bishop, the bishop surprisingly tells the police that he actually gave the silverware to Valjean. It wasn't stolen. And you can just picture in the movie or in the musical the look of shock on Valjean's face that he stole it. He, he knows he stole it, but the bishop tells the police that he gave it to them. And this would cost the bishop his own reputation. It would even cost actual valuable possessions that belong to the church to buy Valjean's freedom. And even though I've like watched this you know, scene like many, many times, it gets me choked up because it's a picture of this radical act of mercy, or better yet, hesed, that the bishop displays to someone who was an ex-convict and who no one wanted in their house so that he would see mercy and be transformed by it. As Ephesians 2, 4, 5, or 2 verses 4 to 5 reminds us that it was because of his, of God's great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. It is only because of God's mercy that this living hope has been given to you and to me. So we rejoice. The second reason we rejoice in this living hope is because we have an inheritance. Now, in verse 4, if you look with me here, Peter reminds us that this living hope is because of an inheritance, which is a promised possession given at a later time, which is kept in heaven for us. Now, this verb, uh, kept, or this verb tense in the original language, in the Greek, it's called the perfect participle tense, which means that it's a completed action with ongoing effect. It's never-ending. So for those who received this letter from Peter, this was a big deal. Because for the Christians in these days, most of them had been kicked out of their homes or they've been, you know, they're in exile in all these different foreign places because of their decision to follow Jesus. Now, this wasn't just a financial inheritance. Now, when they were kicked off, many of them also lost their inheritances. This inheritance wasn't just financial, but it also symbolized their family approval. It symbolized their community status. It symbolized even possession of land and their entire livelihood. So when Peter is writing to these exiles and he's bringing up this inheritance, he is encouraging them to see that one day they will receive this promised gift of eternal life and eternal fulfillment when heaven becomes their home. He's saying that that inheritance, it will be much better than the inheritance that they have lost when they had to flee to exile. And then he continues by saying that this inheritance will, um, will be, will, in verse 4, is an imperishable, 
is undefiled and unfading. Let me just kind of go into the three descriptors a little bit for you here. Um, first, the inheritance is imperishable. Whenever this word is used in scripture, it is often most likely used to describe God and his immortality. Essentially, connecting our inheritance to the character of God that describes how nothing can destroy, break, or kill it. It is unbreakable and everlasting. Like a diamond that is tested through the strongest pressures and heat, the inheritance shall never perish. The second descriptor is the, the inheritance is undefiled. That word undefiled is actually the same word used to describe Jesus's sinlessness or purity. That's how undefiled our inheritance is. The word communicates that our inheritance will never be polluted or tainted by sin. You know, sadly, in our world today, even the most, even the purest or the best things are tainted by sin. We can talk about an amazing organization that serves the poor or the marginalized, but we find that the leaders are embezzling donations. Or we see a world-talented musician or athlete, but they're battling substance abuse or addiction on the side. A beautiful family can be overcome by gambling or by a cheating spouse. A river that is meant to provide life and beauty is turned to a place where toxic dump is being poured into it, and on and on and go. We have tons of examples. And if you live long enough on this earth, sometimes the best things sadly have the most corruption and stains on them. But our inheritance cannot be defiled, defiled by the brokenness and sin and evil and corruption in this world, because it is kept safely in heaven where no corruption can touch it and Jesus stands before it. The third descriptor is the inheritance is unfading. Now, I don't know about you, but one thing that I hate about, I guess, you know, life or just food in general is that food expires, right? First, it's a waste. I hate waste. And then secondly, I feel like food only expires when you actually want to use it. Um, I don't know what, what it is, but it's just, you know, the reality of life, I guess. Uh, as humans, we learn this lesson very early, that everything, in, that everything that's living on this earth will eventually expire and fade away. Food rots, flowers decay, even our human bodies, and even me, just being a young 32, I feel like my body is already failing me. <laughs> like the great Musfasa of Lion King says, we all are part of this circle of life. Things come and go, but our inheritance it doesn't have an expiration date. It won't decay. It won't decompose. It won't die. Our inheritance is kept in heaven, and it will stay just as beautiful and full of life as it did when Peter wrote this letter over 2,000 years ago. Church, if our inheritance of a promised home with Jesus is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, our living hope the hope that we hope in will never perish, never spoil, and never fade. And in that, we rejoice. And the third reason we rejoice in this living hope is because it is secured by God's power. In verse 5, if you look with me, it says we are told only by God's power is our inheritance and living hope 
secured and protected in heaven. That original word here, um, you might have heard, is this word, the Greek word dynamis, which we get the word dynamite from. And it can be translated also as ability, our miracle, our strength. But in most contexts, when we see this word, it conveys a cosmic and divine ability that no human being possesses. What kind of power is keeping our inheritance safe? It is the same power that spoke the light, the sun, the moon, the stars, the grass, and every living thing into existence. It's the same power that sent 10 plagues to Egypt, split the Red Sea right in half, and rain manna down from heaven. It's the same power that tore down, tore down walls, defeated armies, and conquered nations with just a word. It's the same power that heals the sick, cast out demons, and expands the church to reach all people in all nations. And it's that same power that defeated sin and death on the cross so that we who were once bounded by the sins and death and things on this earth can be set free. That power is the same power that holds our inheritance in heaven. And that power isn't going anywhere until, as verse 5 says, that when it will be revealed in the last time, which is referring to when Christ will come again, not in humility or innocence as he did 2,000 years ago, but he will come in power and might on a white horse to abolish all sin, suffering, and death on this earth. To sum it all up, church, we rejoice in our living hope, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because it was given to us by God's mercy, his hesed, because it promises a future inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, and because it is kept by none other than God's power. Also, that each one of us who has this longing to be home, a longing to have rest and peace and to be free from all the things on this earth so that we could one day trust in him that he will take us home, that he has an inheritance kept for us, that we have a future hope. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is good news that we will eventually go home. But I bet the question that arises um, that you may ask or are thinking about right now is, Noah, what about now? I love the living hope talk now, the talk of this future home, but my life right now is hard, it's busy, or it just sucks, you know? Um, and that's true. I, I, this pa these past two years have not been the easiest, and um, yeah, life isn't promised to always get better and better. It's hard. The beauty of this living hope, and I'll end in this point, is that it doesn't just have implications for our future, but it has implications for the here and now. Um, let me just share this. Some of you may know of this. In, in Japanese culture, there is this art form called kitsugi, uh, literally meaning joining with gold. Um, it's this practice that takes shattered and broken pieces of pottery, and it mends them back together using the most precious metal to piece it, gold. You can see examples here uh, on, the, on the screen. So once a, you know, a useless piece of broken pottery that no one wants, it then becomes even more valuable than when it was before because gold is now streamlined through it. And in traditional Japanese tradition, uh, many families would actually hold these broken pieces of pottery 
for years or even some for generations before giving the broken pieces to um, the, art, the, the artist or the, the, the person who makes these art pieces uh, to them. And the reason they would hold these pieces for a long time was to recognize that brokenness is real, that it's raw, that it requires much time to sit, to dwell in, and to even lament in. So that once it transforms into this beautiful remade piece, they will truly know the brokenness it came from and truly appreciate the beauty that it is afterwards. And if you haven't caught on this yet, I think this is one of the most beautiful imageries of what happens to us when the resurrection of Jesus Christ impacts our lives. We are all unique, broken pieces of pottery because of the sin in us or because of the sin that has been done to us. We are, as scripture says, mere jars of clay, not of mere worth and fragile by nature. Yet when Jesus comes into our lives with his resurrection power and presence, he begins to take each broken piece of pottery and he mends our brokenness, not with more health or money or success or anything earthly, but he brings it together with something imperishable, himself. We are mended back together through the transforming power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus back from the dead so that our lives could still embody the brokenness that many of us still carry. Um, Christopher, thank you so much for sharing your story. We all have brokennesses that are part of our lives, but through Christ, we don't live in the brokenness and fear or anxiety or hardship, but we are put back together through Christ's love how he chose to serve rather than to be served, how he gives rather than he takes, how he models more and more of himself, and slowly the broken pieces begin to get mend together. And the reality is that if we put our faith in Christ, he is mending you right now. But no matter, but, but, but the, the truth is, is that no one is complete yet. No one is that full, beautiful representation of that art piece because christ is still doing that work but there is hope because there is parts of us that are changing where we become more loving become more serving become more generous not because of what we can do or because what we are so good at doing but only because of the great potter who is transforming us and giving us new life so that one day our hope will be realized and we will be a beautiful golden line jars of clay welcomed into a home full of imperfect people, only made perfect by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? Let me pray. Father, thank you for um, the word this morning. Thank you for, it even just reminds me, God, of how broken I am and how much in need I am. And God, I pray that no matter what we're going through in our lives, um, God, Easter Sunday is an amazing time to remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I pray, oh God, that the reminder of the resurrection would not just be reminded today and told today and forgotten tomorrow. But God, I pray that our hearts would, would be just in awe of all that you have done, that we would be in awe of this living hope that does not fade, that does not get taken away, 
but that God, you are our everlasting God, that you are our hope and that we come and trust in you for your sake and for your glory. God, lead us now, I pray, um, as we just sing these songs of worship. Um, God, help us to celebrate and remember the goodness of all that you've done for your sake and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?